so glad to have you guys. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're happy that you're with us this weekend. Every, everybody having a good New Year so far? Everybody enjoying this cold weather? Anybody, anybody enjoying this cold weather? A lot of you. I, I, I hate it. I'm just, just going to tell you, I've moved to Florida to get away from cold in Jesus' name. And uh, you all are, whoever brought that with you, take it back right now. We don't, we don't want any of that anyways. We're glad that you're here with us. We're beginning a brand new series today called Chains and Up. I, I was thinking about this this week. When I was 17 years old, uh, my parents were going on vacation and they were not taking me with them. And uh, you know, which is an interesting age. They decided they were going to go to Europe. They're going to go to go for somewhere between 10 and 14 days. I don't remember the exact amount of time. And I just remember that they, they left and they left me with a credit card and some cash and said, uh, don't get in trouble. You know, that's a, that's a good uh, encouragement for your teenager. And, and so they're gone. And I remember going to school that week and and uh, thinking, you know what, my parents are out of town. Like, I should have some friends over this weekend. And so uh, I, I probably invited 15 or 20 uh, of my friends. I said, hey, why don't you all come over? We'll hang out. Uh, my parents are gone, out of town. We'll have a good time. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll, we'll do something cool. And, uh, and so I, I invited them. You know, Friday comes around. My, my friends show up at my house. Problem is, is that my friends decided to invite some of their friends. And uh, 20 people turned into 40 people. And uh, some of their friends that I didn't even know invited some friends of some other friends. And all of a sudden it turned into like 100 people. And then they invited some of their friends. And before long, uh, on a Friday night in my neighborhood, we had about 200 to 250 people at my house uh, having a party. And uh, teenagers, don't do what I did, okay? I'm just, uh, like, forewarning, like, this is not wise. Uh, so don't do what I did. Learn from my mistakes. And so there's all these people at my house, and, and you can control 20, 30 people at a house when you're, you're kind of having a party. You can't control, like, 250 people. And, and so I, I remember walking outside of my house at one point, and my entire street was lined with cars, and people are outside because the bathrooms, there's lines for the bathrooms. People are out in my neighbor's yards using their yard as a bathroom, and, and my neighbors didn't take to that. I don't know why. They weren't real excited about that. And, uh, and so apparently some of the neighbors called the police, and uh, I remember when the police were showing up, I heard the whoop, whoop, you know, that kind of thing that they do when they, they're alerting you that they're there. And, uh, and so I, I'm like yelling at everybody in the house, be quiet, be quiet. They're like, let's act like they're not here. <laughs> and the cops come and they <laughs> banging on the front door, open up. I'm like, shh, like you can really... 200 and something people. There's like kids out in the neighborhood. And I, I finally go, go to the door and I open up the door and I'm like, can I help you, officer? You know, it's, he's like, uh, is there something going on here? I was like, oh, I just had a few friends over. Not big of a deal. And he, he turns around and looks and sees like the street pile with cars. He's like a few friends. I'm like, it's just a couple. And uh, he goes, is there anything illegal going on here? And uh, or that you shouldn't be doing, which is I, I hate open ended questions like that, don't you? Like, you're like there's no there's no real escape there. And uh, I wasn't the brightest person at 17, and so I'm like, ah, oh, we're just playing some cards and stuff. He's like, are you sure about that? As like a guy's like passed out in the front yard, and uh, and I go, no, no, sir. There's there's probably some things going on here that you you wouldn't like or we shouldn't be doing. And he goes, uh, would you come out to the car with me? And uh, so I walk out to the police car, and he says, would you turn around and put your hands behind your back? And uh, I'll never forget this, hearing him take out 
handcuffs and uh, him getting them and going around and putting that handcuff around my wrist, tightening it down, and it hurts today still. Grabs the second one, locks it down on my wrist, and says, son, I need you to get in the back of the car. And I remember getting in the back of this guy's car, freaking out. 17 years old, he goes, son, where, where are your parents at? I need to call them. And I go, sir, my, my parents are in Europe. They're unreachable right now. He goes, well, that's bad news for you. And over the next hour or so, he gathers people up and gets their parents called. And, you know, people are taken away and gets to the end of the night and it's just me in the back of this guy's cop car, and I'm freaking out. Like, I, have you ever noticed you get real religious when you're in trouble? I was crying out. I, like, I didn't know Jesus at the time. I was crying out to Jesus. Jesus, please help me. I, I tried crying. Apparently, that only works for girls. Um, I mean, I, I, I was trying everything that I could, and, and I remember him going, son, get out of the car, and, and me getting out of the car, and him going, you know what? Tonight is your lucky night. I'm going to be graceful, and don't ever do this again. I said, yes, sir, and then I did it again next weekend. And I, like, I'm, I'm just being honest. It was the dumbest move of my life. But I'll never forget what it was like to have these cuffs around my wrists. I'll never forget what it was like to be locked up in life. And here's what I know is that nobody wants to be locked up in life. I mean, nobody in their right mind at least wants to be locked up in life. There's some crazy people. They, they don't mind being locked up. But nobody wants to be in chains, do they? Nobody wants to be in cuffs. Nobody wants to be imprisoned in life. You know how I know that? Because you go on HGTV and you watch Fixer Upper. There is never an episode where Joanna's going into a prison cell and going, oh, let me decorate this. Chip, do you think if we did some, some shiplap on this wall that it would brighten this space up? It never happens, right? Why? Because nobody wants to be imprisoned. But here's what I know about a lot of us. Is that a lot of us, we're walking around chained up. We're living our lives in chains. And there's a lot of people, you, you're walking around right now and your marriage feels like it's in chains. There's some things going on that have got you bound up in your relationship. You're like, I don't know how to break free from this to live a free life in my relationship. Some of you, it goes into your friendships. You're like, man, there are some friendships or there's some relationships that I should break off because I know they're not good. But if I break them off, I might end up alone. And so we stay bound up in those relationships. For others of us, we're imprisoned to our past. For others of us, it's our shame and our guilt that we're imprisoned by and it's holding us back and it's keeping us bound up and locked up in a place we never imagined we would be. And we're living imprisoned and in chains. Here's the deal, guys. We don't have to spend our life in these we don't have to spend our lives bound up in these things. The problem is, is that for a lot of us, we've worn these for so long that they've just become a part of our identity. They've become a part of our life. They've become 
our get out of jail card. I, I, I did that because of these. But here's the good news that all of us can hear today. Is that you don't have to walk around in these chains any longer. See, for, there's two types of people that are in here today. There's a, there's a person that's going to continue to live with these chains. It's one group of people in here today. There's a second group that you're going to choose that you're no longer going to be chained. That you're no longer going to be bound, but you're going to live free. And here's the great news. The choice is yours. You have the choice today whether you continue to live in these or you don't. See, I've learned that for a lot of us, the greatest fantasy in life is we think that by doing nothing, that something is going to change. A lot of us live our lives that way. We think, well, I have these, but if I do nothing, then something eventually is going to change. Something's going to happen. Something's going to make this different. And what happens for us is we spend our lives chained up, and we don't have to be. And we set out in a new year like 2017, and we, and we say, you know what? This year is going to be different for me. This is going to be the year that my marriage is going to change. This is going to be the year that I, I take some new steps in my career. This is going to be the year that I get my finances in order. This is going to be the year that, that I'm not going to, going to go through December like I did last year and have to face all the credit card bills that I'm facing right now this year. Next year is going to be different. This year is going to be so different for my life. And while a lot of us think that it's going to be different, and while a lot of us make resolutions in life, we talked about this last week, resolute is this firm decision that things are going to be different. A lot of us, we've been lying to ourselves for years because nothing has ever changed. And the greatest fantasy is that by doing nothing, we think something will change. But here's what I know about every single person in prison. Every single person in prison chains in life they want one thing you know what that thing is they want the key see the key opens things up in life man cops you guys are brutal these things are painful What every person wants is the key. And here's the deal. The key to you being free from your chains is available. The keys to you living free today is not some just some pipe dream that's out there. It is a reality for you. And in this series, we're going to be talking about the keys to living free, the keys to living free from our pain, the keys to living free in our finances, the keys to living free from our past, the keys to living free when it comes to forgiveness, the keys to living free. And, and a lot of people are locked up right now, but you don't have to be. And I believe that God is going to help to set you free if you'll take and you'll apply what he says. And here's what I know uh, uh, before we even begin uh, is is. Here at Coastal, one of the things that we say all the time is we say everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. 
Believe that with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, that every single person is welcome and that anything's possible uh, because of God. And, and God wants to do some things. And, and here's what I know is that as a church, we've never been afraid of talking about touchy subjects. We've never been afraid of talking about issues that are, are close to people's hearts, the issues that people are dealing with. And we're going to hit some issues in this series, and we're going to talk about some things uh, that Scripture talks a ton about, because I know that God wants to make possible some areas that you see impossible in life. And so today, what I want to dive in and what I want to talk about is an area that a lot of us are chained up in that none of us want to talk about, and that's financial chains. I want to dive in and I want to talk about it because many of us are imprisoned by our finances. In fact, it's one of the top two reasons people get a divorce. It's one of the major, major issues through every statistic that says that causes strife and causes tension and causes uh, anxiety in people's lives. And so if it causes that much tension and that much pain, we should talk about it. And so if you and I, if we were able, and I would love to be able to do this with everybody at Coastal, if if I could sit down with you one-on-one for a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and we could sit down and we could just have a one-on-one conversation, man, we would probably get the opportunity to talk about your life, we get to talk about your past, we get to talk about your family, what your dreams and your goals and your aspirations are. And and as I got to know you, as, as we got more comfortable in our relationship, uh, because I care about you and I want to see God's best for your life, I would probably ask you this question. I would probably ask you the question, how are you doing financially? Like, how's it going in your financial world? Because I don't have to read much of the newspaper. I don't have to watch much of the news to realize that a lot of people are in financial trouble because our country is in financial trouble, which means that we're just a, a, a duplication of what's happening up top. And so I would probably ask some questions like, man, do, do your finances create conflict in your marriage or in your relationships? Do you live completely stressed out when it comes to the area of finances? When you start talking about finances, do you, do you, get, do you get a little tense in life? Do you feel like you're set up for the future? How are you doing in investments? How are you doing with your savings? Like, what, what is your plan for years down the road? Are your finances something you try not to think about and you just try to ignore? Are you paying January's bills with March's income? Do you need God to show up and show off in some miraculous way in your finances for you to not be stressed out? Then I might say, what if there's a key to you living financially free? What if there is a key that God has for you? And see, the thing that I love about God is that God is the creator of the universe. And this is what I've learned is typically the person that creates something knows that thing the best. And if God created us and he has created this thing called life, he probably knows how to best run our lives. And so if God knows how to best run our lives, I probably should take some some information from him. And so he gave me some information in a real easy, practical way to figure it out. And it's called his word. 
And, and you would be amazed at how much God talks about finances in his word and how much he has uh, some keys for us to be able to live free in our lives. And, and this is what I know is that finances are a big deal to us. It's something we think about every single day. We are making 100 financial decisions every day. Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? Should I buy uh, uh, Cheerios or should I buy, buy cash and carryos? You know, like how is my savings going? We're making decisions continuously when it comes to finances. And how we're doing with those decisions determines our stress level. And so my thought is, is if I care about you, and there's keys that God has given us to set us free financially, like, man, it would be crazy for me not to tell you how to set you free of financial bondage when God has given us that. And so for a few minutes, man, we're just going to dive in and we're going to talk about this. And I just want you to know on the front end, this isn't because I want something from you. If you've gotten to know our church at all, you've gotten to know me, I don't want anything from you. I want something for your life. I want God to set you free this year because I know that the greatest fantasy is that by doing nothing, you think something will change in your life. And a lot of us, we're wishing our financial uh, chains away. And you can wish all day that something will change, but wishing doesn't change anything. Skilo, a rapper in the 90s, said, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. He was never neither, because that's all he did. He just wished. <laughs> and a lot of us, we're just wishing that, man, I'll get free of this, but wishing doesn't change anything. And God's plan for you was to never be in a financial prison. He didn't send Jesus Christ to live on this earth and to die on a cross, a terrible death, and raise three days later so you can be in bondage for the rest of your life. That was never his plan for you. And so all throughout scripture, you see that God has got a plan for us. And, and we're going to look back into a story in the, book of, in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, if you guys want to turn there. And what is happening is, is Joshua has taken the leadership mantle from Moses, and he is getting ready to lead the children of Israel, which is God's people, into the promised land. They've just crossed the Jordan River, and God basically says, to Joshua, listen, hey, if you do what I say to do, if you go where I say to go, if you fight when I say to fight, if you retreat when I say to retreat, if you bow when I say to bow, if you jump when I say to jump, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to be with you. You're going to face some battles, but you are going to win all those battles if you will be obedient to what I tell you. And so they're going into the promised land, and the first city that Joshua comes to with the children of Israel is this city called Jericho. We've all heard of Jericho, the majority of us. Jericho was one of the greatest fortified cities in the ancient day. It was actually a multiple-walled city up on, the, on a hill. They, they said it was an impenetrable city. And so Joshua comes to the city, and he's like, God, okay, I'm ready to listen. I'll do whatever you say. What's the plan? And God goes, man, I've got an incredible plan for you. He's like, give it to me. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather the worship team. You saw this worship team up here, this, this, this line of singers right here. He says, I want you to take them, and I want you to march around the city seven times over seven days. And at the end of it, I just want you to shout, and the walls will come down. Now, I'm not a war expert. I've never gone to war. I've never been in a war. But that sounds like a terrible battle strategy to me. Doesn't sound like a great plan. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But this is what we have got to learn. What makes sense to us 
doesn't always make sense to God. And what doesn't make sense to us makes complete sense to God. And some of us have got to realize that God is making complete sense even though you and I don't see it and don't understand it. And Joshua does exactly what God says. They march around. They shout out. The walls come tumbling down. They don't have to beat through it, fight through it. They don't have to do any of that. God makes the way. And one of the the things that God told Joshua is he said, when you take this city called Jericho, this first city is mine. Everything in it, I want you to destroy. I don't want you to keep any of the spoils. It's all mine. You can have the third city. You can have the fifth city. You can have the 16th city. But this first city, this first city is mine. Destroy it all. And so they go through and they destroy everything. And they're getting ready to go into the next city, which is a city called Ai. And they go and they send some scouts to Ai. And uh, they, they see that it's not a very big or powerful city. And they come back and say, man, we don't even need to send our whole army. We're going to kill these jokers. And so they only send like 3,000 people to this city of Ai. And they get their butts whooped. In fact, they're running back, retreating. And the city of Ai is chasing them down and kill 36 of the Israelite soldiers on, while they're running away. Just kill them from the backside. And when they get back and they report this to Joshua, Joshua falls to the ground and rips his clothes and starts to cry out before God. He says, God, you said that if I would be obedient to you, you would take care of me, that you would, you would make a way, you, that we would win all the battles. And he said, I did say that, but you weren't obedient to me. He's like, what are you talking about, God? He's like, gather all the people and I'll show you exactly what it is. And so they gather all the people and they come to find out that there's somebody that took something. See, something that God is teaching me and I think is going to be a reoccurring theme of our church this year that God has been speaking to me is, is this. God means what he says and says what he means. God means what he says and he says what he means. No matter how much I rationalize it, no matter how much I argue with it, no matter how much I come up with with all the reasoning in the world, God says what he means and means what he says. And I can come up with all these excuses, but God wants done what he says he wants done. And so they find out that there is this guy named Achan who went into Jericho and took some things for himself. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 7, verses 20 and 21. It says, Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. In other words, he saw some ancient Gucci. And he's like, man, I want that. 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. See, what would happen traditionally is they would go into a city and any city they took, all the people would get to take all the stuff. It would become their stuff. The city that they defeated, their clothes would become their, their clothes. Their livestock would now become their livestock. Their houses would now become their houses. But God said, no, 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 you don't get to keep any of this. I'm going to take it all. But this guy said, no, 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 I want that Gucci. I want that gold. And he goes, I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. He goes, I know what God said. There's no debating it. There's no denying it. And there's no rationalizing it. He said, the first city is mine and everything in it. I know what God said. But when I saw that stuff, honestly, I just wanted it. And I wanted that stuff more than I wanted to obey God. I wanted that stuff more than I wanted to trust God. Because here's what I know is that God is a grace-filled God. 
God's loving. We hear about it all the time. God is forgiving. And, and I thought it's no big deal if I just disobey this one time because like I want that and God will forgive me. You know what that's called? That's called cheap grace. Not all of us rationalize sin because we go, oh, God will forgive me. God will take care of that. No big deal. But God says what he means, and he means what he says. Verse 25, Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and buried their bodies. It's pretty harsh punishment. But God means what he says and says what he means. Now there's a principle that's in this passage of scripture. There's a principle that's all throughout scripture that is critical for us being set free when it comes to our finances and a lot of other areas of life. And it's called the principle of the first. And the principle of the first basically says this, where I put first God first in my life, he blesses, and where I don't, he doesn't. Wherever I put God first in my life, he blesses, and wherever I don't, he doesn't. And so if, if we were sitting in Starbucks drinking that coffee and I, and I were to ask you, do you want God to bless you? I don't think there's a single one of us that would go, oh, heck no, I don't want that. Crazy. Who wants God's blessing? All of us want God's blessing. I don't think there's anybody here that wouldn't want God's blessing. But the key to God's blessing is found in the principle of the first. And it's true for your finances. It's true for your marriage. He says, wherever you put God first, he blesses. So you put God first in your marriage, you know what he's going to do? He's going to start to bless your marriage. You put God first in your career, and you start doing the things that he wants you to do, he's going to bless that area of your life. You put God first in your finances, he's going to bless that area of your life. If you don't, he won't. And so what does God's blessing mean? Because a lot of people think, well, God's blessing means that, that I, I'm, I'm going to get a new car. And I'm going to live in a mansion out on the beach. No, 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 that's not what it means. The blessing of God is two things. One, it's God's provision. It says God will meet your needs. Notice I didn't say he'll meet your wants. Like, listen, you can want a Bentley with 22s, but what you need is a Yugo that starts and drives down the road. It says, food, water, shelter. I'm going to take care of those things for your life. I'm going to provide those things in your life. I'm going to meet your basic needs. Don't go tweeting, Pastor TJ, I said I'm getting a brand new car. It's not true. It's not what I'm saying. So it's God's provision number two. Is God's protection. God says, I'm going to protect you. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not ever going to lose money on a house or you're not ever going to lose your job. What it means is that when you put God first, what you're saying to God is, God, I give you control of this aspect of my life. And when you give God control, he opens doors that need to be open. He closes doors that need to be shut. He kind of navigates the areas of your life. And what might seem like a setback is really a setup for something he's trying to do. 
And so a lot of times we look at negative things, but in God's eyes, there's positive things because he's trying to take you somewhere. He's trying to protect you in something. And so when, when we choose to put God first, and notice we have to choose to put God first. God is a gentleman. He isn't going to go take that place on his own. He's waiting for us to give him permission. God, I'm going to put you first in my life. I choose you. And when we choose him, he says, well, thank you very much. And he comes into our life. And he provides and he protects at that point. The problem is, is a lot of us, we've made a choice to put ourselves as number one. And what happens is when we put ourselves as number one, we lock ourselves up. And then we get locked into what we have the ability to do. Have you noticed our limited ability? And what else? When we're locked in, we're also locked out from things because we have a limited range. Oh, that's as far as I can go. That's as far as I can get because it's all based on what I can do. And here's the problem. Why do people get put in chains? Let's just be honest. Why? If I go out here right now and I see a nice Mercedes and I take it, what happens to me? I get put in jail. Why? Because I stole it. If I come out here and I, and I look at Jasmine and say, man, I just don't like Jasmine, and I take Jasmine's life, what, do, what happens to me? I get put in jail, right? I like Jasmine. That's why I can pick on her. <laughs> you get locked up when you take something that isn't yours. You're like, well, I didn't take anything that wasn't mine from God. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Mic drop. <laughs> it's actually a chain drop, but you get it. You must set aside a tithe of your crops. What's a tithe? It's a simple term for 10%. Not 2%, not 4%, not 20%, 10%. Of your crops of harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place your, the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Who chooses the place? It's not a trick question. Who? God chooses the place. Okay, three of you got it. Good. And eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. So fast forward to today, to 2017. What does that mean for us? Because a lot of us aren't raising any crops or grains or those things. He's saying, listen, whatever your Jericho is, whatever the first in your life is, the first of your finances, the first of that year, he's saying, like, you're to bring that to him. Your first 10% goes to him. And where does that go? To the place that he chooses. The place that he's chosen to build his kingdom is the local church. And so if Coastal is your church, you're to bring the first 10% here. If you're a guest here and we're glad you're here and you have a local church, man, you're to bring that to your church. He says, bring that to me. I don't get to choose the place. You don't get to choose the place. God chose that place. And this is what it says. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. He's saying, this is about teaching you to put me in the place that I'm supposed to be in your life. And so the key to being free is the first. And so if you make $1,000 a month, what's 10% of that? Not a trick question. It's $100, okay? I know some of y'all don't want to answer it. You're like, what am I committing to? You're not committing to anything. See, because I know there's a couple things that happen when we start talking about money. Uh, because some pastors have given money a bad name and given this whole subject because they've, they've just corrupted it and manipulated it and done all these things. Uh, but if you've been around here any length of time, you know that 
man, my heart is, I don't want something from you. I, I really want something for you. I want you to really, really live free. And I want your 2017 to be different than your 2016, 2013, 2012, 2010. I want it to be different. And it doesn't just happen to be different. Your finances don't change just miraculously. They change because you make a choice. And some of us, the choice that we're making is is you're saying, I choose to trust me more than I trust God. And this is what I know is that God can do more with your $900 than you can with your thousand. And I know that because I've seen him do it over and over and over again in my life. And two things happen. There's, when I talk about this, there's a group of people that they know this is true. They're applying it in their lives. And they see God show up and show off continuously and him protect and him provide in their lives. And I get emails and I hear stories all the time. Then there's another group of people that when we start talking about this, you start getting a little funny. You start getting a little angry. You start crossing your arms. And the reason you do that is because we're hitting at something that's way deeper than your money. We're hitting your heart. You're like, well, my money has nothing to do with my heart. And oh, no, 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 no. See, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says, where your stuff is, your heart follows your stuff. And the, see, the thing about God is the thing that God is after is not your stuff. He's after your heart. He just knows that your stuff reflects your heart. And so you want to know where my heart is? Look at my checking account. I'll tell you exactly where my heart is. My heart is in this church. Like we give first and foremost to Coastal Community Church. My heart is in our immeasurably more building project that we're working on. We give to that. My heart is in food because that is my wife's love language. So I don't love food. She loves food. So you know where I spend a lot of my money? On food. Because where my treasure is, my heart follows. And my heart is for my wife, and so my treasure gets spent on what she loves. It almost got spent on a dog the other day. Praise the Lord, we didn't do that. (laughs) But God is saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to depend on anything else. I want your dependence to be on me. And when you depend on me, I will protect and I will provide. And there's a verse in John 8, 32 that many of you know. It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And here's what I know is that for many of us, we know this. We've heard this, we've heard this passage. We've heard this, this whole message before. And we, we've heard over and over again. And we know the information. The problem is, is truth only sets you free when you apply truth in life. And so a lot of us, we have the key in our hand, and we're, we're locked up. But the problem is, is we haven't applied this key to these chains. And so your choice to be locked up is in your hands. And here's the deal. God is throwing down the gauntlet on you today, and I believe for this year, and he's saying, hey, will this be a year that you'll trust me? I double dog dare you to trust me. Because that's exactly what he says in Malachi chapter 3. He says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that my house will be full. Try me in this. I love it when God throws out, try me. What's up? What's up? You know, like God is just like, what's up? He says, if you do. He says, I will open. I will pour out. I will guard. He says, test me in it. Put me to the test. 
Church, I'm just telling you right now, God is saying, you want to be free? Put him to the test. You want to know if God tells the truth? You can believe him for salvation. You want to know that he tells you the truth? Test him in it. He's giving you permission. See if he tells the truth. See if he doesn't provide and he doesn't protect. See if he doesn't set you free from the chains that are in your life. And I don't say all this because I'm a pastor. I say this because I'm a follower of Jesus and I know it's true. Guys, God says what he means, and he means what he says. Some of us, we've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if something's got to change, we have got to change. It's time for us to unlock the chains. But the choice is yours. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. God, and I thank you that you're a chain breaker, that you set people free, that it's never been your desire that we would live in bondage. But your desire from day one is to set us free. And what your heart is for every single one of us is is that we would put you first. This isn't about money. This is about your position in our life. And some of us, we've trusted God with our eternity, but we haven't trusted him with our today. Today, the choice is ours. Pastor Steve, would you lead us?